0: If you guys don't know me, my name's Chris, uh, I, I lead our middle school ministry, and so I get to hang out with uh, all the junior high guys and girls for all, the, all day long. And it's awesome, so I only get to spend time with you guys kind of occasionally, and I love it when I do, um, and so that's why I'm super excited about tonight. Uh, but also, I know you guys got a lot going on right now, am I right? You got exams this week, midterms this week, games this week, cheering events this week, whatever it may be, you guys got all on your plate, am I right? yeah. Well, I want you to know that we're praying for you guys as a, as a staff, as a team. Like We know you guys have a lot on your plate regularly, all the time. that doesn't stop. And so we're just like excited that you are here tonight, even with all of that going on. And so as we get dive in tonight, uh, I want you to know we just started a new series called Culture Shift. And so if you weren't with us last week, then what you need to know is that we're talking about these ideas and these themes that truly, I genuinely believe that if we were to actually apply to our lives, I mean, our world would look different. Our culture would truly look different if we were to actually apply and take seriously the truths that we're talking about. And so Caleb opened us up last week talking about generosity. He's talking about not generosity with our money, but generosity with our words. And too often I think, or at least for myself, I think of generosity I'm like, okay, it gets to dish out. Who needs money? Who needs money? Who needs money? But that's not what generosity really means. That's only part of it. And so last week, Caleb opened up and was like, hey, if we're actually gonna have a culture shift, if we are gonna shift the direction of our community, of our, of our schools, of our environments, of our society, then we have to be generous with our words. And just think about it. If we were to actually speak truth and encouragement and life and support into other people's lives, how different would your friends look? How different would the people around you look if we actually did those things? Because too often, I think our society and what we just naturally do is just we tear people apart. We ridicule, we degrade, and we downplay as if it's not a big deal. And so Caleb opened us up looking at what scripture has to say. It's like, if we were to actually apply being these, this truth of being generous with our words, I mean, our people, our society would look different. There would be a shift in, in our culture. And so we're only going to build on these over these next couple of weeks. And so tonight, I don't want you to stop like, okay, we're done with last week. We're done with words. No, I want you to apply what we're talking about tonight to what we learned last week with being generous with our words. And generous with our time. And so tonight we're talking about what does it mean to be generous with our time? What would our society, what would our culture look like if we were to be generous with our time? So I just want you to raise your hand. Who's busy? Who has a busy life? Not every hand's raised. Man, I know you guys are busy. Who's too busy for their own good? Got a couple of you guys that are too busy for your own good, whether it's like college applications are coming up. You guys are all athletes or we're like drama. I don't know. You guys have a lot going on. I know that for a fact. Homeschooled, Christian school, public school, it doesn't matter, you have a lot going on. But here's what I know about our time, that we're selfish with it. We wanna do what we wanna do, am I right? Your mom tells you to clean your room, wash the dishes, whatever, clean their car. I don't know what your chores are in high school, I don't remember. But your parents tell you to do things, and the last thing you wanna do is what your parents tell you to do is because you have more important things to do, am I right? And you have more important things to do because you're doing you. You have more important things to do because you are selfish with your time. Time is a commodity that we do not get back. Time is something you use it or lose it, right? And so naturally, we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what other people want us to do. And this is the truth about gener- that generosity and about being generous with our time is that if we were to actually be, like, give other people the attention that they that could, if we were to give people, like be generous with our time, man, our world would look different. Our culture would look different. And here's why. And I know we're still with our time because I used to volunteer with an organization called Young Life. Y'all familiar with Young Life? Great organization, love on youth like incredibly well. But I used to live out in Seattle, Washington and volunteered with them for a couple of years. And I had a group of freshman guys. And these guys were the wildest, funniest clowns I've ever worked with. And the reality of them is that they just don't listen. You guys probably reckon like know that. Freshman guys, freshman guys, you don't listen. I hope you do. I pray that you do, but you just kind of do what you want. And that was the truth with these freshman guys. And I loved them to death, but it was time for camp fundraisers, and camp is super expensive for young life. And so what we did is that we all collectively decided that, hey, we're going to fundraise. And you guys have all fundraised before, I'm sure, right? And so we had these coupon books. And so everyone's like, no, this is the lamest thing in the world. I'm not going door to door. Like, my parents will pay for it. I'm not worried about it. I'm like, guys, that's no, 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 no. Just because you can pay for it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do this together. Like we got so many other kids in our community that need to go to camp, who need money, let's do this. And so every single one of my guys committed to selling these books. And so for the next couple of days, like, or weeks, I left work early. I came and picked all the guys up from school and we went to neighborhood to neighborhood, door to door, selling these little books. I know you guys have done this. Three days after, like, we're into it and we're having a blast, joking, laughing, making memories, whatever it is, we got one guy that just ghosted us totally just doesn't tell anyone where he's at, just didn't show up. And I was like, guys, where's Matt? And they're like, I don't know. He just didn't show up. And so a couple of days go by of us continuing to fundraise and he doesn't show up. So a week goes by and I'm like, guys, where is Matt? And then everyone looks at each other because everyone knows where Matt's at, but they don't want to tell me. Y'all probably know what I mean. But like literally everyone knows that Matt, where like where Matt's at and no one wants to tell me where he is. I'm like, guys, why is Matt not here? And he's like, uh... Matt told us that this is a waste of time and that he doesn't want to like, fundraise for these things. And so he's never going to come back. Like, what? I guess, you know, I was so offended. Like, I was upset, genuinely, because I wanted, like, this is something we're all doing together. And Matt's like, nah, I don't care. Not worth my time. And so after, like, they told me that, I went and knocked on Matt's door. I like, took the guys home and went to Matt's house, knocked on his door. And I was like, knock, knock. mom answers, like, hey, is Matt here? Uh, Matt. And then my Matt comes down, he's like, oh no. It's like that moment you've that been caught. Matt comes to the door and he's like, what's up? He tries to play it cool. It's like, yo, Chris, what's up? And I'm like, where you been? Like, let's just like cut the shade, like no like short talk or anything like that. It's just like, dude, you've left us out to dry. Like, why are you like ghosting us? And he's like, um, you know, just, I got other things to do. I'm like, what other things do you have to do? He's like, Xbox. Like, are you kidding me? You are not giving up a time together for Xbox? And he's like, yeah, I am. It's like, And here's the reality. This is what he told me. He's like, here's why I'm ghosting you. Here's why this isn't important to me. He says, because my parents are going to pay for it. I don't need to fundraise. I don't need the money. My parents are going to pay for it, and they could pay for everyone's camp, and it wouldn't make a difference. And this is what I told him. I was like, well, Matt, it's not about the money. Yes, the money helps. Yes, the money helps kids who can't go to camp go to camp. But really, like, the point of this is us doing this together. The point of this is us making memories together and sharing this together so that we can like look back and remember like, hey, we, look what we accomplished together. So that you can laugh with your friends for years down the road and looking back and remember when we did this kind of thing. And Matt was like, I never thought about it like that. And honestly, I told the other guys, like the guys were like, man, we miss Matt. And so I told Matt, I was like, it's not the same without you simply because we all committed to get our time to each other. And Matt was like, man, I just, I don't care. I don't care. All I like, My time is valuable to me, and all I want to do is play Xbox. I was like, well, dude, I can't force you to sell these books. I, I can't force you to be with us. I can't force you to like talk to me. But just want you to know we want you there. So he came the next day. He apologized to the guys. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. I was selfish. Um, but... I still don't want to sell these books, but I'm here with you guys, right? Like the last thing he wanted to do was go door to door knocking and he didn't, but he hung out with us and it was all good. But I tell you that story because like we are selfish with our time. We always are, whether we want to be or not, it's part of our natural instinct. And when I think about this as well, I think about, you know, praise God, he's not selfish with his time like, he, like us. Because if God was as selfish as his, with, with his time as Matt was, man, he'd look at Tyler and be like, Tyler, you are not worth my time. He'd look at Elizabeth and be like, Elizabeth, how many times have I told you that this is bad for you? Man, girl, you missed the point. Like, I'm so dumb with you. And he would do the same thing to me. Genuinely, he'd be like, Chris, you do not learn the lesson. Landon, you have not. How many times have I have to tell you you are just like a waste of space? Like, that would literally be what God would do if he was as selfish with his time as we are. But praise God, that is not the case. Like, God is generous and patient over and over and over again. And as I begin to think about, man, what, is, what God's generosity really looks like, I begin thinking about, as being Christians, like, there are certain words that we hear over and over and over again in the church. There are certain words that we hear as we read scripture, and it's like, man, this is kind of important, it's repeated over and over again. And so the first word that I begin to think about as I was like, and I wonder how many times this is in the Bible. The first word I thought about was this, it was, I've got to turn the page, hold on, it was, oh, which one? I don't remember. Shoot, turn on the, give me the slide. I won't get the slide. There it is, believe, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first word I begin to think about is like we are told to believe, to believe in God, to believe in Jesus, to believe in the Bible. We're told to believe a lot. And so I was like, okay, this is a big theme in the Bible. I wonder how many times the Bible actually talks about this word. Do you have any guesses? How many times do you think the word believe is in the Bible? 2,000, all right. Any other guesses? 3,000, let's, let's lower it a little bit. 1 million, did you say 1 million? <laughs> Gosh, no. Now how many times? 24, 100. Okay, how many times is the word believe in the Bible? There are 66 books, Benny. Five, it's more than five. Let me tell you, it is 272 times. The word believe is used in the Bible. Like, seriously, a lot. There's only 66 books. And so clearly the word believe is important. The next word that I began to think about, I was like, all right, what other things as Christians are we told to do all the time? We're told to pray. We're told to pray. Jesus is, like, gives us an example of how to pray. So how many times do you think "praise" in the Bible? The word "prayers" is in the Bible. 300. Man, you are so close. It's 371. You said 272, 371. You know. Oh, I was trying to think. All right, all right. So it's 371 times. So 99 more times than believe. Clearly, like the word prayer is important. There's a lot of talks about prayer in the Bible. And the next thing I thought about was like, okay, this whole story from cover to cover is a love story, right? And so literally I was like, love is something that Jesus is love. God is love. Like love has to be talked about a ton. Any guesses of what love is? 500. Seven. Just seven. No more than seven. 700. Well, we're in the ballpark. It is 714. 714 times the word love is in this Bible. And then as we're talking about this series, we're talking about generosity, I begin to like wonder like, man, I wonder how much the Bible talks about giving. Anyone want to take a wild guess at what that is? 5,000. 235. 235? 235. The word give. The word give, hold, check it, guys, check it. It's 2,152 times. Seriously, like, that's so much. When you look at this, like, 2,000 words in here is a ton, only to talk about giving. And as I was, I was like shook when I saw that because I'm like, dang, that's a lot, but when I think about it, I wasn't, like, I'm not so surprised because I genuinely see that like, the more you understand God, the more you know that he's a giver. Like God is a giver. And so everything that we have in our lives is a gift from him. And so it's no wonder that the Bible has a, talks about giving a ton. It's not just about money. It's about our time. It's about our talents, it's about our treasures. It's about our lives. And there's no better person to think about like, as a better example of someone who gives his life for others than Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. And we're going to talk about a story that I know you guys are familiar with. And so I want your attention. I want you guys to be locked in with me. I don't want you on your phones because genuinely there's something here for all of you guys that we need to be reminded of when it comes to generosity. And the story we're talking about is the woman at the well. You may know the story, but then what you need to know is that this woman is a Samaritan. The Samaritans are bad news, according to the Jews. And this girl, she a bad girl. Like guys, if you know what I'm talking about, she a bad girl. So... Like, that's all I'm going to say. Like, she, she's an outcast by society because of it. Like, she's lived so scandalously and so loosely that, like, she is rejected by her own people. And so she is going to the well in the middle of the day in the hottest hour all by herself. And culturally, what you need to know is that women all went to the well first thing in the morning before the sun rose when it was coolest, And it was the time to be together. It was time to like, it was like girl time just because like no men around and it was all gossip and it was laughing. And it was like all this, like just girls being girls or women being women, except for this one, except for this one woman who is shut out by her, her own community. So she's going to the well in the middle of the day in the hottest hour all by herself. And then there's Jesus and Jesus is at the well all by himself. Also what you need to know is that Samaritans and Jews do not get along. Like, we think we have racial like, tensions in our country. Like, it doesn't even compare to what was, it was between the Jews and the Samaritans. It's just bad news. And so you would never, or you would rarely ever see a Jew talking with a Gentile, or a Gentile, a Samaritan, much less a Samaritan woman talking to a Jewish man. Like, that is just a big no-no, an absolute not. But what I love about this is that Jesus just doesn't care. Jesus doesn't care about, like, the cultural norms. He doesn't care about the boundaries. He just says, hey, this woman is worth my time. This woman's worth my investment. This woman is worth talking to. And so he engages her in conversation. And so in this conversation, this woman is doing her own thing. She's over here pulling water from the well. Imagine Jesus over here just sitting on this rock. And he asks her a simple question. He's like, hey, can I have a cup of water? And she's like taken back. She's like, Why? oh, no, no, no. Why are you talking to me? Like you, this, you shouldn't be talking to me. Like, I shouldn't even be here. I know at this hour, like, I'm all embarrassed to be even be out here doing what I'm doing, but you should not talk to me. Like, that is not okay. And so she doesn't really even know what to exactly say, but she responds, she's like, well, she responds back to this question about the water. And Jesus quickly transitions the conversation away from the physical water from the well to being a spiritual water. And he's like, are you tired of going back to this well over and over and over again? It's like, if you have a thirst, like clearly you're thirsty. Clearly, she's thirsty. So she's thirsty for so many things. No, but he's like, "Are you tired of going back to this well over and over and over again? Because I have a drink. For, I have a drink of water that will like quench your thirst forever." And she's like, "Please give it to me. Like, if you have something that will fill me, like, give it to me." She's like, "Lord, I need this water." And so Jesus is clear about that. He's talking about eternal life. And so this is where we're picking up the story. And so from a cultural perspective, you need to know that this is a woman, a Samaritan woman who's bad news. She's rejected by everybody. She's at the well in the middle of the day and she's talking to a Jewish man, which doesn't make sense. Yet Jesus says, hey, you are worth my time when you are not worth anyone else's. And so this is where we're picking up the story. And so it's Luke chapter four, or John chapter four, verse 16 through 26. So it should be right here. It says, Jesus said to her, hey, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you're living with right now isn't your husband. And so he just like calls her out. And she goes, well, what you have said is true. And so the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped here on this mountain, but you say only in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you will worship the father you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So it's no longer a, just a Jew thing. It is an everybody thing. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speaks to you am he. So just then his disciples come back and so the disciples left. They left Jesus to be at the well. They went and checked out for lunch and they're bringing it back to Jesus. And so Jesus, and they see this. And so verse 27, just then his disciples come back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into the town. All right, so check it. What just happened here is Jesus called her out. For where she's been, for her past, for everything that she was. He also revealed to her that he's the Messiah. And so she has accepted, she has said, Yes, I want this truth. Yes, I want this everlasting water. I want you to quench my thirst. And so now that she has been revealed that he is the Messiah, she's like, Oh my goodness, like, shoot, this is legit, this is real, this is Christ the King. And so she is heading out to go see, to go tell her everyone in her community, to go tell, to go tell the man she's living with, to go tell other people. And the disciples are there now to be like, Jesus, what the heck? Like they probably, they didn't say it clearly. It says they didn't ask questions, but you know they had to wonder that. If you culturally, you're coming in and be like, why on earth is Jesus talking to this woman? Like she's a Samaritan. We don't do that. Much less like this girl. But guys, this is what I want you guys to realize is that we're not much different. This woman was an outcast and Jesus said, hey, you're worth my time. But I promise you, you have people in your schools that you are saying the exact same thing to, about. You're saying, hey, you're not worth my time hey, you're not pretty enough to be with me. Hey, you're not athletic enough to be around me or to be like in my circle. Hey, you're not musically inclined enough. You're not academic enough. And so you are like shutting people out because they are not like you. They don't look like you. And you're saying they are not worth your time. And you can laugh all you want, but I promise you it's true. And I'm telling you, if they're worth Jesus' time, they're worth your time. And so if you're the one saying, hey, you're not worth my time, I want you to know it's a lie straight from hell. Straight from hell because Jesus is saying, hey, everybody is worth my time. You are bought with the price and Jesus is saying, you are worth my time because he was worth, the Samaritan woman was worth Jesus' time. So if we were to be generous, if we were to live generously, if we were to have a culture shift in our society around generosity, I mean, it involves our time. So this is where we're going to pick up the story. Verse 29 says, many Samaritans from the town believed Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. I mean, this is nuts, absolutely nuts because I think of Jesus being a super busy guy. I mean, you guys raise your hands. We're all busy, right? We all have things in our lives that we are covered in busyness and we can't get out of. And I think of Jesus to be a super busy guy, people always trying to get his attention, people trying to need something from him, his disciples are super needy. He just doesn't get away from it. We all have needs and I believe Jesus, like he's literally coming trying to get to Galilee and instead of what most Jews do of going around Samaria, he's trekking through Samaria just to get to Galilee. And so I think he had an appointment. I think he had his own objectives. But instead he gives these people two days. And this is what I love is that when Jesus, when Jesus is generous with his time, it's not just the woman who's impacted. And if it were just the woman, I mean, that would have been enough because the woman's life would have been transformed for eternity, Right? but it wasn't just her time. When Jesus invested his time in her, it impacted the rest of the community. And then by, because it impacted the rest of the community, Jesus ended up staying two days. Are you talking about generosity? Who, who do you wanna spend two days with? Like, you don't even know these people. I have a hard time spending two days with my family and I know them super well, much less the community that I have no clue who you are or anything about you and you're giving two days to. Like This is Jesus' generosity. So you talk about culture shift, you talk about people's lives being transformed because of generosity, this is it. This is absolutely it. But this is what I know about our culture today, is that it says it's all about me, me, me. Like, it is, we're, like, programmed to be busy, because the busy you are, the better we are. The busy you are, the, the cooler you are. The busy you are, the more important you are. And this is what I believe about busyness, is that busyness is an excuse to not invest in people. Like busyness is our excuse to say, I don't have time for you. I'm too busy. I don't have time to talk to you. I don't have time to invest in you. I don't have time to do whatever because I'm busy. Like it is our excuse not to invest in people and praise God that's not what he does to us, right? Because like I said at the beginning, he, we would be the first ones gone. I, I'll speak for myself. I would never get to first base. Like I would literally be in the, I wouldn't even get to the, I would be off the team. Jesus would have said, see ya, flick me as far away as possible. Like seriously, like, that's the reality of like selfishness in our time that generosity just totally flips on its head. And what I love about this and what I love about this story is that when we look at Jesus's life and if we are to have a culture shift in our society and it requires us to be generous because Christ is generous, he's a giver. And this is what I love about, Jesus said it himself in Mark chapter 10, but Jesus said, hey, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Jesus literally came and gave gave his life for us. Like, can you imagine anything more generous? I can't. Genuinely, I cannot. And it changed history. But this is what I also know about busyness. I know you guys are busy. You got school, you got homework, you got sports, you got boyfriends, girlfriends, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, dates, like work, whatever you guys have going on, like you can fill it with whatever you want, I know. Like you're busy. But this is the reality busyness for the sake of busyness will only lead you into greater selfishness and ultimately emptiness. I'm going to repeat that for you. I want all eyes right here. I want you to hear this. Busyness for the sake of busyness will only lead you into greater selfishness and ultimately emptiness. Because you can try and fill your schedule and fill your life with everything but Jesus and you will always be empty. And you will always be trying to fill it with something next, some void, some drug, some alcohol, some whatever you want to fill it with, some sex. Like, it doesn't matter. You will try and fill it with something and it will leave you empty and empty and empty. And in that selfishness, you will try and go back to it and back to it, just like the woman at the well. And Jesus saying, hey, regardless of your past, regardless of what is happening, regardless of your life, like you are worth my time. And guys, I know that in school, you have people that you are avoiding because they are not worth your time. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. Because if they're worth God's time, they're worth your time. And so with that, guys, my band's gonna come back up. I'm gonna close this out in prayer. But I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to think about this. Is that yes, Jesus was busy. Yes, Jesus had a busy life, but in his busyness, he lived on purpose. He didn't allow his busyness to get so important that people were were cut out of his life. He didn't allow his busyness to be the distraction that said, hey, you're not worth it. He didn't allow his busyness to be the reason that he said, get lost. To the little children that tried to come see him, the disciples were like, hey, you're not worth, like, no, 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 Jesus is too busy. And Jesus said, no, come. Guys, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. But it's time that we lived on purpose and if we are to actually have a change in our society, if we are to have a shift in our culture, then it's going to require us to take this seriously. It's going to require us to live generously with our time. So, this is my challenge to you. So, right now, I want you to think about one person in your life, whether it be at school, at home, in your family, on your sports teams, whatever it may be, one person that you can think about how you can serve. Who is one person that you're going to see tomorrow that you are avoiding that you can serve? Who is one person that you can speak words of encouragement to who desperately need it right now? Who is one person that you can think of for tomorrow that just needs you to listen? Because guys, this life is not about us. This life is about Jesus and making him known. And through our generosity, it would change our world. It'll change our culture. And it's time that we take this seriously. Father God, thank you for tonight. I thank you for these students. I thank you for the truth that you have for us in your word. Thank you for the many gifts that you've given them, God, in so many capacities. I mean, this generation and these students right here before us, God, and they are so full of life and of love and of passion. And I just pray that you'll just continue to use that in a a mighty way, God. I pray that you'll just wake their souls. Wake their souls for what you have for them this week, even in the midst of the crazy schedules of their lives, that you will allow them to be on purpose or be purposeful with every moment of their life Rather than letting their busyness be an excuse for not for avoiding other people. God, we love you and we give you our lives. And in your name we pray. Amen.